So if, if we take the generally accepted definition of a bear market, which is 20% down from its high recently, which was on January 3rd, uh, it's not a bear market. That was a loud noise. Yeah, that was the market crashing in the background. Oh, okay. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Now, that may be a little hyperbole about it being exciting, a little hyperbole it's exciting. about boys and girls listening, but, you know, it's a, it's a throwback to an older tradition on radio and a new tradition on podcasts of hyperbolic introductions. Well, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, and we talk about things to do with the economy, and we have a bunch of disclosures to disclose. First disclosure, we are the Personal Wealth Coach. And the personal wealth coach is not only the name of the riveting program. Riveting in the meaning, sense that you are is hot steel being used to put, pull you and hold you in place. Right. Yes. Um, it is also the name of an investment advisory firm headquartered in Salado, Texas, and registered with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, which in no way applies their approval or disapproval or anything else. It just means independent investment advisors that are uh, fiduciaries like us that have more than a hundred million dollars under management or have to register with the sec. So that's really all it means. Yes. They're very clear that they don't imply any uh, thumbs up, thumbs down or anything else with digits on your hand. Right. Hopefully the, the commissioner will deny any responsibility and this message will self-destruct. It just did. Just gone. did. It's gone. No, no yeah. longer around. All right. Uh, next one is that um, the we just said that we're giving fiduciary advice registered with the SEC, but we can't do that on the radio. So what we're saying on the radio is education. Why can't we do fiduciary advice on the radio? Privacy rules, actually having to know exactly who we're talking to, all that good stuff. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait there a minute. might be nobody listening, in which case we could give fiduciary advice and not in violation of any privacy rules because nobody could Pe hear us. People listen to us overseas. And in that case, it'd be privacy rules. That would be privacy So we need to be very careful. Does about that, that mean right? that we are privateers? We're or privacy pirates. mongers. We're, We're privacy mongers. Very private. Right. Okay. Uh, you want to give the deem? I, I saved it for you. Well, we have this, this is an educational program, not an advisory program. Um, you know, and, and the educational information that we have obtained has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Or unsaid information. We really do not guarantee the completeness of unsaid information. There. I think we can guarantee that unsaid information is completely unsaid. Uh, but I, I would hesitate to guarantee that because uh, someone might say it. Right. Got it. Yeah. So, mm. anything interesting happened this week? Um, let's see. Uh, the market on Wall Street is still on Wall Street. It does not seem to have moved at all except with the rotation of the planet. However, all the headlines are saying that the market moved. 
Yeah. So I Not didn't much. see U-Haul trailers. I didn't see moving trucks, but it moved. So just know that we will give you an update on the moving process. We'll even talk right. about packaging supply materials in the process. Well, we are in a correction in the stock market. And for those of you who didn't know that, uh, it's been, it went up and down rather enthusiastically. The values uh, of the stock market went up and down rather enthusiastically this week, uh, indicating a lot of energy being expended. Um, the S&P 500 stock index, uh, affectionately known as SPX, uh, which is anything but a perfect measure. Wait a minute, wait a minute, time out, time out. You said affectionately and then immediately insulted it. Anything but perfect is not affectionate. So give it something complimentary if you're going to be an affectionate uh, moniker. Well, if it's, I'm affectionate to it, I can afford to insult it and it won't be insulted. That's what we do with people we're That's how That's how relationships die. That's all I'm saying. Right. Okay. So, uh, okay. so go well, ahead with the, with the, the S- news. The S&P 500 may be flawed, but it is probably the best indicator of the U.S. stock market, in our opinion, that is widely known. Okay. That, that was a half-hearted uh, compliment. That's good enough. Go ahead. Well, I call it a plunging horse in the newsletter. That's true. That is true. Um, but it ended at 3901.36. So there's your another marker right around 3900. It was down 3.06% for the week. And there were lots of people digging data mining and saying this is the longest stretch that certain same thing has been down since certain year or that year or something. Usually you around you can two years find ago, something. The, the, this is the panic at this moment. This is the largest drop in two years. Yes. Yeah, something like it that. Is. Anyway, it is. Um, the interesting thing was on Friday, at least from my geeky point of view, on Friday, the S&P 500 dropped more, was in the middle of the day, was down a little over like 21% from its high on January 3rd or 4th. I don't know. I think it was the 3rd, um, which technically put it in bear market territory, but it didn't close. And it has to close into the day down more than 20% to officially, well, I don't know. There's no officiality. The consensus definition of a bear market is a close of the market 20% or more below a recent high. Okay, and so the, the, it didn't didn't quite get there. It's down eighteen point six percent below the record in January. Yeah, it didn't close there, which is this is one of those things. People have been calling this a bear market, and you and we talk about in the newsletter how some people are in a bear market. So it really depends on what you're measuring. The S and P five hundred is not in a bear market, but the Nasdaq is. Oh, the Nasdaq is in a polar bear market. I think. <clears throat> then, yes. uh, and if you're in growth stocks, you probably feel like you're in a bear market. Because um, you are, even though you're, the whole marketplace is not there, you are definitely there. Oh, can, can I real yes. quick give a definition of a bear market beyond the goofiness of percentages? Sure. Why do we use bear and bull? And I get this regularly, and the, the research was done and published, which means it's accurate. Well, at least wait a minute. It means wait it was, a minute. It was written. It was published. Down. It was published. <laughs> at least it means it was written down. Okay. Uh, so who wrote it down? Well, Jeff McClure in the book The Personal Wealth Coach, uh, and there's a great snippet in there uh, on the history of the term bull and bear, and it comes from actual marketplaces called the fair in, in the medieval time period when weather was really not good. Um, your sheep were dying, your cows were dying, your chickens were dying. 
Um, and the animals were coming out of the forest to eat them as well because the animals in the forest weren't enough to feed all the predators in the forest. Well, they would send out people to round up the bears, and you would have dancing bears at the fair, and you would have bear baiting at the fair. There would be a lot of bears because they needed to get them out of the forest because they were eating what was left of the livestock. Well, reverse that to you have good weather, good harvest, you have extra feed. That means the calves that were born to the cows and cattle were actually growing to maturity, and that meant that you had too many bulls because you only need one bull per herd. And they're roughly 50-50. These days, we make them into steers. They used to just slaughter them and eat them uh, early back then. So they would take the bulls to market, and you would have a bull market versus a bear market. And that tradition is still maintained as far as the bull side in Spain. That's what the running of the bulls is about. It was a statement of economic prosperity of Spain for a very long time. Now it's just a tradition that nobody really understands, like saying bear and bull in the market. So it's there you go. It's for the tourists. Yeah, it's for, for the tourists. tourists. Or for uh, Al Gore, because there's a lot of goring that takes place. It's very... Uh, there's a bad pun. Sorry, go ahead. All right, back to what is actually happening in the market, whether it's a bear or not. Nobody's, nobody's qualifying any part of the market right now as bullish. So if, if we take the generally accepted definition of a bear market, which is 20% down from its high recently, which was on January 3rd, uh, it's not a bear market. That was a loud noise. Yeah, that was the market crashing in the background. Oh, okay. Um, so, all right. So it went down 3%. It didn't go to a bear market. It's down 18.6% from its high, 18.4% from the beginning of the year. It is down 6% from a year ago. So if you're in an S&P 500 stock index emulator fund, you're probably down about that much, maybe more, maybe less. But let's put this, it's, there's two things that happened on Friday that caught my attention. And we wrote about this in the newsletter. First off, as soon as it dipped into bear market territory, there was a rally. People started buying and the market actually rose a bit on Friday, which was a good thing. Um, whether it will rise or fall next week is a random event, and anybody who can predict it, probably we couldn't afford to talk to anyway. Okay, now, this is the interesting thing. Let's back up and look at it for three years. Three years is the absolute ultra minimum for a long-term investor, and it's really not a, it really should be more like 10 years, but let's look at three years. We have an average annual rate of return right now in the S&P 500 stock index, not counting dividends of 11% per year, 37% higher than it was three years ago. Over the last three years. And we're down yeah. right and, now. And, and that, is, that is a good rate of return. And if you're an investor and you see what's going on right now, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but if you're a long-term investor, you should be happy. Why should you be happy? Because if you're a long-term investor, you, you invest money and you just you make a lot of careful thought before you invest the money, you invest the money and then you leave it alone for a certain period of time. That's not to say you can't monitor the underlying investment and see if something's gone wrong or something. And uh, it's kind of like keeping up when you buy a house, you don't buy a house and then sell it because housing prices went down. What? Uh, Why not? Well, 
because houses are long-term investments. Well, if they're considered, in, I mean, they're an investment. They're not an investment right. to, that you're trying to make a huge amount of money on, but they are certainly but, an investment. Yeah. Let's say you bought a house as an investment, which people sometimes do, and the housing prices went down. That's probably really poor time to sell. Well, the same thing is true in the market. But if you had three years ago invested in, in a fairly accurately tracking S&P 500 index fund, and you looked at it again today and you figured your gains and losses and you didn't see anything in between, you would have missed a big recession, a bear market in 2020, a recovery, a and pandemic now a major, and an invasion. A pandemic and invasion, another recover, a recovery, and now another and now a correction. And lo and behold, you would have looked and missed all of that and said, okay, I've gotten 11% a year. That ain't bad. And that's the way, frankly, we need to look at these things. Um, so actually, the last three years, if you just take the three years and not look at anything that happened during the three years, it's been pretty normal. Yeah. Now, the CRSP mid-cap value index, which we like a lot better because that's – we or value investors, and we like something other than super large companies. Um, it was down 2.18% for the week, closed at 2373.67. It's down 8.61 from its high at the beginning of the year and 3.39 from this time last year, which means that if you are, for example, invested in, mid, in, in a, there is a mid-cap, several mid-cap value indexes and there's funds that track them, um, you still aren't even in a correction. Yeah. And people have asked me, what is the CRSP? They, they really don't ask me about the S&P 500 anymore because they hear it enough that they know its numbers. They really don't know what S&P is or what it is today, but they don't ask about it anymore. But they do ask because we talk about the CRSP a lot. What is that? Uh, CRSP stands for the Center for Research and Security Prices. It's part or grouped with the University of Chicago booth which is the top school for economics in the world. That is not stated without metrics. The number of Nobel Prizes that have come out of that for economics is just absolutely staggering. It's, it is the top school for Nobel Prizes in the world as well, at least in yep. economics. So it is. we use CRSP because it's actually a good measurement of, of movement in these indexes rather than more publicized. But not to be confused with the Canadian Registered Safety Professional Board of Canadian Registered Safety Professionals. Correct. Because which is also the CRSP. Uh, if you confuse them with this, they will get very upset with you and then apologize because they are Canadian. There's also the Colorado Refugee Service Program. Oh, I, I have to qualify that a little bit. Uh, my wife is Canadian and I love her very much. So I'm not upset at the Canadians. I just believe they're overly polite. There. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah cool okay <laughs> anyway um so moving back from the markets and we'll talk about the markets some more i think the yield in the u.s treasury note slipped to slipped five percent to 2.789 percent we follow that pretty closely so the 10-year note is below three percent again right and the 30-year bond is at 2.995 percent and short-term rates are really low still so across the board, we have a positive yield curve, which historically tends to suggest that things will be better in the future yes. economically. It's not calling uh, for a recession on the yield right. curve. And West Texas Intermediate crude oil inched up about 2%. 
It's at $112.70 a barrel. What does that mean? Um, it, it means that the high prices at the gas pump aren't going away anytime soon. Oh, let me throw this in here. We're using the word recession a lot. We're talking about bear and bull markets, and we gave that a definition. What is a recession? Well, we used to have a really good definition for a recession, but it gets mm. changed a couple of times over the last several recessions. So what is a recession? It is uh, when the economy is sufficiently slowed that we say it's not growing anymore long term. It's when the conference board says we got a recession. Right. It used to be <laughs> two consecutive quarters of negative growth. How's that for jargon? What is negative growth? Contraction. Shrinkage. Yeah. But we have to say this is negative growth. It's a very formal way of saying you shrunk. Uh, the, the economy shrank two quarters in a row. Well, we threw that out for the Great Recession. Because the Great Recession was a quarter of shrinkage, sorry, negative growth, followed by a quarter of growth, which the conference board said, all right, this is a recession because unemployment's way up. New definition. But then we had two more quarters of negative growth following that consecutively. So it's very clearly a recession at that point, no matter who looked at it. Come forward to 2020, the pandemic hit. We did not have two quarters of shrinkage. We had one quarter of shrinkage and it was bad. So the conference board said, that's a recession. It was the fastest recession in the history of the United States because we changed the definition of recessions, but it was, it was worth calling a recession because it was bad. Okay, now right. on to you. Cool. There's some very interesting aspects to the stock market right now. Um, as, as I mentioned just a moment ago, if you're in mid-cap value stocks, you're not even in a correction yet. If you're in large-cap growth stocks, you're in a bear market. So. It, it all depends on where you are and what you're invested in, if what's you're in, going on if in If you're market. in crypto, you might not have anything left. You might just be after the war is done and you're picking things up and gluing things back together. That is a dinosaur market. Yes. I'm not sure what uh, the, the dinosaurs are all gone. So there's certain parts That's, of the crypto market that is all gone yeah, now. The, there are certain cryptocurrencies, uh, the backup for the Terra, right. which was the Luna. Um, cryptocurrency is at zero. Yes. Uh, so if you had a lot of money invested in Luna because you were invested in Terra, and believe me, I don't understand that, but that's beside I, the point. I do. And what's more, some people that were invested in this conglomerate uh, group together used borrowed money to do it. So they so went below zero. They went below zero. They are actually mm. in crater territory. There, the 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 meteorite actually hit them. That took out the dinosaurs. It just hit them. So there's and a hole in the ground there. If you got into the more popular versions of Bitcoin, you probably are down about fifty percent. So you're depending in, depending on when you got in, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so some people are still way up in crypto. Just just we're not we're not going to hammer it too badly. We we have some discomfort in the crypto world, but some people are still in profit territory. Um, yeah. It's, crypto was designed, announced as designed, intended by the people who were pushing it really, really hard to be a replacement for regular currencies. If that was the standard of success, then it is a massive failure. It is basically collectibles and it's right in there with Beanie Babies. Anyway, in my opinion. Now, the, the market, the stock market itself, this is the interesting thing. Eight stocks 
Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, Tesla, NVIDIA, and Netflix are responsible for half of the drop in the Standard Poor's 500 stock index. If those stocks weren't in the index, the index wouldn't be down 18%, 18 point something percent. It would be down 9 point something percent. Um, And if you have a long memory and you can remember what's happened over the last couple of years, those were the companies that did magnificently well, the large real companies. Now, there were meme stocks where the underlying company wasn't making any money to begin with. And people bought it because they bought it and it went up and that's right in there with cryptocurrencies. But. And, and some places just, you said the, 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 the whole concept of the cryptocurrency was to become a currency. El Salvador was forward thinking, cutting edge and adopted the Bitcoin as its currency and is now looking at possible government default. Um, right. it, it's got to, by January, it's got to have an $800 million bond in U.S. dollars payment. But because they tied their currency to the Bitcoin, they may default on their government debt. I think, and I may be wrong on the actual country, uh, I don't, I, but I think it's the Central African Republic who did the same thing. But their defaulting is nothing exceptional. Right. So anyway, um, the there's something the cent- else you, interesting. You, you, you were correct. It's the Central African Republic. Right. Like you said, yeah. I think it's maybe a cent- No, it's Central no, Africa. The, the Central. C- right. is, that is the name of the country. The Central African Republic. Um, and it is in default. But it, it being in default status is pretty normal for it. So it's not a big thing. Yes. Um, the other thing that's going on, and I this is the positive about what's going on in the market. One of the positives are several. The purpose of a correction, and we have been writing and saying for at least a year, we are overdue for a correction. Yes. There will be a correction coming, in our opinion, at some point. And people were laughing at us in January. Right. Um, corrections are good things. And, and some things occurred that needed correcting. Uh, a couple of them were SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies. And that's not just what you put on the wall anymore. Yeah. And, and a SPAC actually has a precedent that goes back into the 1700s. Um, the, the South Sea bubble, the great stock market collapse in England during this in 1720. One of the things that's really astonishing that happened during that period, it was astonishing to me when I read about it the first time, in Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds is the name of the book, is that there were actual, and we thought it was so funny at the time, companies that issued stock, initial public offerings in essence, on the London Stock Exchange that they said, this is a stock you should invest in, the purpose to be defined later. Right. Give us money and we'll tell you what we're going to do with it at some other point. Just trust right. us. And Just trust so us. So somebody read that recently in the past few years and decided to do that again. And so the special purpose acquisition companies are companies that says, here, invest in our company and we will tell you some point in the next two years, we'll find something to invest in. Um, uh, there was a whole series of those started and they are now collapsing rather impressively. Um, all of them are down dramatically, like 80, 90%. Some of them are returning whatever money is left, um, to their investors. Some of them aren't, uh, at least one hedge fund went down 
rather dramatically in the last week. Uh, so these things that you read about and hear about, and you're thinking, man, I should have got into that. Um, no, no, just be boring and continue to paddle along. Um, so the purpose of a correction, the, the good things about a correction, it's kind of like a forest fire uh, in, the, in the big forests out west. Uh, if a forest fire comes along normally, as they do every few years, it enables the trees to reproduce. It cleans out the underbrush. It does lots of healthy things in the forest. If they're left too long before they come along, then they became, they become, there's too much stuff on the ground. The fire gets exceptionally hot and it kills the trees. We need corrections from time to time. And we are, we are in a major, this is just my opinion. I could be completely wrong on this. uh, So don't bet the farm on it or anything, but this looks to me like a major correction. End of statement. Do I think this is a major bear market like we had in 1929 or 1973 or 2000? No, the earmarks are simply not there. Um, this is, is, is a correction. It's may, it may cross technically over into bear market territory. But very frankly, based on my experience of about 50 years of observing and professionally working in the markets, this looks like a major correction, and I've seen a lot of major corrections, and this is just another one. Uh, and this is where we are, and yeah. we needed it. We needed it desperately. There was a lot of craziness going on in the markets. Yeah. And We've been yes, talking about that crazy for a long time. That is just not sustainable. To I mean, Tesla's come way, way down. I like Tesla. Tesla's a great company. It's doing something in a very uh, appropriate way. With new technology, it's a rarity in that it's well thought out. But there have been times where its price to earnings ratio were a thousand, which means in that year's earnings, it would take a thousand years of those earnings to pay back the cost of the company. It, it needed to come down. Uh, that's and it's not the only one. A lot of companies, uh, Peloton is a the great exercise equipment company that. They made some serious mistakes coming through this. They made the assumption that a lot of people made during the depths of the pandemic after we'd been basically working from home for eight months and this is it, this is the new normal. Well, everybody started ordering their equipment. And so they went into high productivity mode. We got to get more factories made. They start building factories to build more equipment because people are never going to go back to the gym again. Well, that's probably not a good assumption. And they are now in the process of feeling the pain from spending a lot of money on things like we're going to be in a, in a constant state of quarantine for the rest of our lives. There were some bad business decisions made there. But they were made in a way that most people that just do what they do can make bad business decisions. If your demand goes up, and you're having trouble meeting the demand, well, you need to increase your ability to meet the demand. You need to make more stuff so that you can sell it. This is great. But if it's a temporary demand, how do you know that? How do you know it? Well, you can look around and say, I don't think we're going to be in a lockdown forever, but I know a lot of people that really felt like we were going to be in a lockdown forever when we were in the lockdown. And talk to folks in China right now, and they may believe that they're going to be in a lockdown forever. We tend to look at right now and and push it into the future as if this is the way things are always going to be. All right. So I'm going to hand it back to you because you were on a roll and then I rolled in the middle of it. 
Well, it's, the important thing is to recognize that when you read about losses or gains or whatever in the market, they may or may not apply to you. Now, there is an area where losses are pretty much universal. It's just how much your loss was, uh, and that's the bond market. And that's the longer the duration or the longer the maturity of the bond that you hold, the lower probably the lower the price you'll see on the market today. And that what, what does that probably, mean? And what that it means is that will not get better. If you have a bond that's going to mature a long time from now, what does that mean? If you played Monopoly and it tells you something matured and you get money, a loan matures when you get paid back the lump sum in principle. If you're a business owner and you say, I need a mortgage, a lot of times they give you what's called a balloon note where you might just be paying interest, but at the end of it, you got to pay all of the principal back. That's typically how a bond works. Most people are used to a mortgage where you're paying back principal and interest. Um, a lot of other bonds don't work that way. So the longer away your maturity is, the today's price has dropped much more for things that are maturing in a long time than they did for things that are maturing in a short time. There, back to you. Yeah. In bonds, and most people who own bonds actually understand this now, but they didn't used to. If interest rates go up, the market value of any given bond tends to go down. And it's just a matter of the fact that new inter new bonds are going to be issued with higher interest rates that people would rather buy than your bond with a lower interest rate. And that particular bear market, which has gone off to a very nice start, many, many intermediate to long-term bonds are down a bunch. How much a bunch is, is there's no s Well, actually, there is a S&P 500 bond index, but it doesn't reflect the whole bond market. It's just the bonds issued by S&P 500 companies. Um, we probably are going to go through a substantial period of time where bond values on the open market come down. And why do I say that? I was looking at bonds um, Friday and Thursday and looking at their actual prices of bonds that are being traded uh, in various places. They're still above 100, generally. 100 is par. In other words, uh, if you, that's the, literally, you can think of it as a percent. If you buy a bond, which is typically $1,000, and it's trading at 100, you could sell it for $1,000 minus whatever commissions you have to pay. And you will get $1,000 back at the end. Most of the bonds I saw being traded last week were still above 100, which means that if you hold them to maturity, you will get less back than you paid for them. Now, you'll get interest along the way, presuming the, the issuer of the bond doesn't default, but that's still the reality in the market. And until that fixes itself, until we get to the point where bonds are trading at par or below par, the price of bonds is likely to come down. As interest rates rise, bonds will tend to fall in value. Uh, that's just a hard reality. We've been through 40 years of bull market and bonds, and we're headed into an unknown length of time where we have a bear market in bonds. Uh, bonds are both more complex and easier to understand at the same time than our stocks. Anyway, that's the big stuff going on in the market. Right. So what's happening in the rest of the world now that we've spent 40 minutes talking about what's happening in the market? What's happening in the rest of the world? It's not really 40 minutes, by the way. It starts at five minutes after from news. So I'm just... So it's 35 minutes. Yeah. And then we have disclosures and things. But still... We crossed an interesting benchmark that didn't make headlines because everything else that was going on. Over a million people 
have officially died of COVID-19 in the United States since the pandemic began. Well, I'm sure they're now, glad to know that it's official now. Uh, there's actually probably closer to a million two hundred and fifty thousand. Because a lot of people who died of COVID that didn't go on their death certificate. Right. Uh, the was, the, the incidence of higher death went way up, according to the CDC. Not, not only did the higher deaths go up, the number of people who died of pneumonia went up like hugely, uh, which suggests they probably died of COVID. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I had pneumonia two times last year. Mm-hmm. No COVID positive, and I, man, I did a lot of tests. Yeah, I got you, and I completely understand, and a lot of people have pneumonia, but we're looking at the difference between the people who normally, over the last 10 years or so, have died of pneumonia during a year, and the people who died of pneumonia in the last two years, and it's like another 250,000 people. Right, and uh, well, this is the point, and this is weird. Something else is going on. It may be COVID as well. Because I haven't had pneumonia in decades, and then I had it twice in a year. Mm-hmm. So looking at normal, something unusual happened on top of COVID, but COVID was likely part of it. We don't know. Right. We don't know. Um, it's a lot we don't know about COVID. We do know that officially, according to death certificates, over a million people have died in the United States from COVID. What does that mean? We look back at the 1918 flu. Admittedly, the population was much smaller back then, but we take everybody who died of AIDS plus everybody who died in the 1918 influenza pandemic in the United States, and more people have died of COVID than that. Now, the other side of it, uh, obviously, about 70% of the people who died of COVID had some, were either over 65 or had something else, what's called a comorbidity, something else wrong with them. Right. But they probably would have lived for quite a few years if it weren't for COVID. So we, this, is, this is, has a huge impact on the economy. It has, it's having a huge impact on the world. And we kind of think it's behind us now, sort of. But this is the point. A big chunk of the inflation and the market decline and the earnings decline and all the other economic stuff that's going on is still being generated by COVID because China did a really good job of not having a COBA, uh, a COBA, COVID, <laughs> a cobra epidemic, an epidemic of, now they have yes. those in, in, in India. Yes. Um, a COVID epidemic by simply closing down its borders, but they didn't have an effective vaccine. They don't like using ours or the European vaccines. They'd rather use their own, which doesn't work very well. That's and, pretty confusing to me still at this point that they're not going that direction, but the um, lockdown is lockdown. Yeah, there, there, and this is the the last word I got is there are over three hundred million people in lockdown in China as of the last data we have now, and about that half, is about half of that has been for more than four weeks. Right, that means they don't go to work. That means they don't spend money. In many cases, it means they're going hungry. No, this is a boon uh, for us in that gasoline prices would be higher right now right. if we didn't have the population of the United States in Chinese form locked down. That's a, what is what is the effect on us? Well, it's very simple. We, in case you haven't noticed, uh, an awful lot of what we sell in the United States is made in China. So retail sales would take a hit from that. The other thing that, that we have... Many, many, many complex things we manufacture in the United States, and 
most of those have at least one small element somewhere in it that's made in China, and they're not getting made in China. Now, that doesn't hold it. We are doing an amazingly good job, by the way, and, but we're doing an amazingly, amazingly good job of adapting, and we're adapting very quickly. And we're about out of time for this week. We are. Do you want to do a very fast wrap-up? Well, the stock markets went up and down and sideways and did all kinds of things, but we're still not in a bear market. They, the the S&P 500 closed down about 3%, but over the three-year period, it's averaged about 11% a year, so we're still in really good shape. What's going to happen next week is anybody's guess. The economy is still going like gangbusters, which is both good and bad. It's good in that, wow, our economy is going really good and bad in that the Federal Reserve's got a hard work to slow it down. Yeah. So... Uh, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting locally at 254-947-1111. Or 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com if you're lazy like me. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, read our newsletter, contact us through the contact form or directly at Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There's also lots of radio programs sitting on there from years back. See what we were doing. Podcasts, wherever those are. Thank you very much for listening to The Personal Wealth Coach. We appreciate it and have a great weekend.